Hi, welcome back to our special season of Peach and Prosperity, where we are talking with local small business owners about their stories and how they're pivoting during these times. We're talking today with Michael Lennox, who's the founder of ATL Family Meal, as well as several restaurants around town, including Ladybird. And Michael, we'd love to start off by hearing a bit about your organization and your restaurants. Sure. Thanks, thanks for having me. So, um, ATL Family Meal is a newly formed nonprofit. We have filed our 501c3 paperwork as well, and we decided to form the organization around the time of uh, the middle of March when we ended up closing our restaurants down on account of uh, COVID-19 starting to just shut a lot of businesses down and it became unsustainable for us at the time. And what prompted the formation of ATL Family Meal was seeing the need uh, in a pretty dramatic way for significant amount of hospitality workers, you know, potentially uh, over a hundred, hundred thousand in the Metro Atlanta area that are out of work and, in uh, dire straits and, and need food and support. And so the general idea that we've been pursuing is um, let's rally the Atlanta restaurant community together around feeding feeding our hospitality community. And we are now working with eight uh, partner restaurant kitchens around town, including uh, some of Linton Hopkins' uh, new realm on the belt line, Willie's, the burrito, local burrito guys, and uh, a handful of others. And we're currently producing 6,000 meals a week for members of the hospitality community in a 20-county in a area around the city. Um, so, yeah, we, we've been working really hard on that, and it's been gratifying, but we, we definitely see the need to continue uh, in spite of uh, sort of uncertain market dynamics with, with restaurants right now. Uh, in terms of my restaurants, we are called Electric Hospitality. That's the name of our restaurant group. And uh, our restaurants are Ladybird on the Beltline and then Golden Eagle and Muchacho, which are about a mile south on the Eastside Trail. Uh, we have about 125 staff members across the three locations. And, and uh, as I mentioned, we're currently closed down at all three, but we're putting some plans in place to do some things that I'm, I'm pretty excited about to activate Ladybird uh, around the first week of June. And we, we have some things in motion that will carry over to, to Muchacho and Golden Eagle as well, probably three to four weeks after that. So that uh, hopefully catches you up to speed on ACL Family Meal and and what's going on with our restaurants in just a few minutes. Great story. Sounds like you're really uh, handling it well with the people that are out of work. I didn't realize the numbers were so high. But that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, there's all in, there's 300,000 hospitality workers in the metro Atlanta area. Um, we're, we have close to 250 restaurants, food service businesses, breweries, Etc. that have signed up uh, staff on their
are participating and receiving meals on a weekly basis. So um, just a general estimate is there's probably about 100,000 people in the metro Atlanta area that, that need food support at the moment. Okay. Well, let, let's segue back just for a minute with your three restaurants. Uh, I'm curious about, I guess the fans are too, how'd you come up with the name Ladybird? First question, and then tell us the difference between your three restaurants, if you don't mind. Sure. So, in terms of Ladybird, um, I stumbled on the space for the property where Ladybird currently is toward the end of 2012, right after the, the Beltline East End Trail opened up to begin with. And it was at the time a pretty banged up art gallery, for lack of a better description, and I had had this idea that I wanted to do uh, the, the sort of short short and simple elevator pitch was do a, a beer garden on the Beltline, and right as I passed the building for the first time, light bulb goes off, it's like, this is the space, um, let me let me see if I can figure out how to, how to pull this off. So I reached out to the landlord, and... Um, asked if he had any space available. He said he had one space coming up at the end of the month. Happy to show it to me. It ended up being the space that Ladybird is now. And so I immediately felt like I had lightning in a bottle. Started negotiating at least on the spot. And then uh, started to put one foot in front of the next. Uh, over the next 12 months, I ultimately quit my job. I was working in, in real estate at the time and it took a long time for me to come up with a name. Uh, I visited my brother in between the time I signed the lease and the time it was open. And he had just at the time moved out to Wyoming and we went to Yellowstone, um, which I had never, I'd never been west of the Mississippi at that point, but went to Yellowstone, hiked and camped and all that. And the first day we were at a lodge and the light bulb went off. You know, it'd be pretty special if we were able to channel uh, the national park ethos and turn that into a, a restaurant. And so I kind of took that core idea and ran with it. And that still took me a while to come up with a name. From there, ended up a few months later down in Austin, Texas, doing some uh, R&D, if you will, and went for a jog the second day I was there around Lady Bird Lake, which is about 15 minutes outside of downtown Austin. And thought there was just something special about it. You could kind of barely see the buildings off the distance for downtown, but you felt like you're out in the middle of nowhere and thought there was some sort of hypothetical parallels between our space being close to downtown and wanting to create this sort of imaginary national park. Um, and so I started looking into it, and Lady Bird Johnson was the uh, where Lady Bird Lake came from, and much of her public and political life, uh, one of her primary causes was beautifying public spaces and supporting the national park system, and so it seemed like a natural fit. Uh, so I sort of copped the name from there, and we stopped short of uh, you know, putting up an oil painting of Lady Bird Johnson behind the bar or anything on the nose uh, and wanted to, to leave it a little open for interpretation, but the, the general idea is we, we have a sort of miniature uh, imaginary national or state park on the Beltline. You can kind of disappear 
and, and get your sort of outdoor happy place for a little while. So that's sort of the origin story for, for Ladybird. In terms of the other two restaurants, um, Golden Eagle is more of a evening focused throwback kind of cocktail club. Um, when you walk in, it's pretty dark and moody. We've got a reel to reel tape machine in the back of the space with uh, sort of dusty, obscure soul and funk tracks playing. This group out of Chicago did, did all of our music for us. And uh, yeah, we, we, we specialize in, in well-made, sturdy craft cocktails and uh, have our take on classic American cooking and really kind of run the gamut from what you would see in uh, sort of diners and roadside taverns and that sort of thing from the 50s, 60s, and 70s and, and try to put our sort of chef touch on it. And then with Muchacho, which shares the front of the space, uh, in the same building, it's it's a West Coast inspired uh, taco and coffee shop, which is uh, admittedly an unusual hybrid. But uh, I would hope that walking through the front door, it would start to make sense. Uh, we we found inspiration in 1970s Venice, California, and the origins of uh, skating culture and. Started to just imagine what if, what if some guys from this documentary called Dogtown and Z Boys, what if they opened up a skate shop or a surf shop and started selling tacos out the side? And that was our sort of, uh, sort of spirit animal, if you will, for Muchacho and, and kind of ran with that idea and turned it into what it is. So, um, yeah, they're all, all three relatively different, but there's big personalities. Uh, with which each, with each brand right when you walk through the front door and um yeah it's, it's been a fun fun run the last six years great stories thank you yeah it's really fun to hear the behind the scenes of how these how your brand came came into play and we'd love to ask you you care deeply about hospitality how you got started in the industry and in particular when the situation started escalating. What propelled you to move forward with ATL Family Meal? Sure. So, in, ter- in terms of my start in the industry, I have enormous respect for uh, people that come up working in restaurants. You know, starting from the day they're in diapers all the way up to adulthood. That was not my um, my sort of origin story in terms of work. I I was actually a, a lawyer for a very brief period in my mid to late 20s and uh, had taken a, taken up a, a fondness of cooking when I was probably 13 or 14 years old. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was in middle school and didn't have a whole lot of supervision from that point forward, and, and I'm the oldest of three boys, and so growing up, uh, I was, I kind of found myself very literally uh, hungry for something, as well as my brothers, and it was kind of like, do you want to put some Hot Pockets in the microwave, or have a bowl of cereal, or I can like, try to figure out how to cook something uh, in the kitchen, and this was around the time that Food Network was starting to explode in the mid to late 90s 
said, that that was kind of what sparked my interest in food. And I ended up getting a Culinary Institute of America textbook or cookbook. It's like 700 pages when I was 18 for Christmas. And I thought it was the greatest thing ever. I kind of taught my way through it. And it has just uh, cover to cover classic French technique for sauces and stocks and and uh, roasting and you know it. so it's just it's a sort of encyclopedia of how to cook well and hindsight being 2020 I should have I was much more excited about cooking then uh, than anything else and had this impression that I had to go do something else with college and graduate school and so forth uh, but had I known perhaps I I would have jumped into the industry at an earlier age, but it took me a while to kind of snake around through college, not knowing what I wanted to do, and then law school, not really liking it, and graduating, passing the bar, becoming a small business lawyer. And at that point, it was, by the time I was practicing, it was a couple years after the recession, and I had had just a ton of different ideas about various restaurants and the clientele that we had with the firm I was with was all startups. And it took me about 10 seconds to, on my first day to realize I was much more like the folks that were coming in and starting businesses than I was the lawyers drafting up legal documents. Um, and so I, I started heading for the exits as quickly as possible, stumbled on the space for Lady Bird about a year later. And uh, the, the rest is history, but, um, have, have really loved the hospitality business. I feel like it's just tailor-made for me. It requires a sort of combination of uh, focus, but you, you have to be really into people and, and daily challenges and problem solving. No, no two days are the same. And obviously being around food, and, um, it's, it's, a, it's a creative pursuit that is intended to, to bring joy to, to people's daily lives in small ways. So I've, I've very much been uh, thrilled to be a part of the hospitality business uh, for the last six years, and, and it's hard to imagine doing anything else. And then in terms of how uh, things shifted recently, uh, we we were on track for you know, spring as our, our busiest time of year for our restaurants, and we were hitting 100% of our forecasts for the beginning of March, and then uh, March 13th rolled around, and our and we were at 100%. March 14th rolled around, we were at uh, 75%. The next day, we were down to 25%, and then the next day, we, we ended up closing. So it, it just fell off a cliff in the blink of an eye, and uh, easily the most difficult day of my life having a, a sit down with our managers and staff and letting them know that we were going to be closing and not knowing when we were going to reopen and we were going to do the best we can to figure out how to take care of everybody. But uh, just not having the answers is uh, very unusual and uh, just jarring when that's, that's ultimately the, the position that we find ourselves in as leaders. Oh, Thanks for sharing that story. Hopefully we'll see you soon. Um, I'm not going to give a date, but uh, 
Maybe we'll use July 4th as the date. Supposedly the rumor is the Braves are going to start July 4th. If it's sooner, that's great. And uh, I'm curious. I, I believe looking at your brief history, I believe you're a native Atlantan. And what's special to you about Atlanta? If you can give us some you know, feedback on that. Sure. Yeah, and I, I am a native Atlantan. Um, in terms of what's special about it, I, I feel like – Atlanta, more than anything, is a is a big small town, and if you've been here long enough, it's or really, I mean, I, I don't think it takes a, a ton of time to get acclimated. Uh, but we we just have these really beautiful neighborhoods that all have their their own personality, and people are generally friendly, willing to help. There's a lot of uh, just smart, creative people in all walks of life. And I, I think Atlanta is very, uh, very much an underdog or underappreciated in the national scale in terms of pound for pound, for pound what we bring to the table culturally. Um, I, I'm obviously a bit biased, but I, I do feel like Atlanta is a special place and it just has the right mix of people from, from all over the world that have come together in this uh, sort of, you know, the city of trees, if you will, and have created a very special city with a lot of positive, uh, positive energy. So that is, that is Atlanta for me. That's great. We love that, that version of your story. That's really personal and you have shown such resilience during this time by pivoting into creating ATL Family Meal and, and just wanted to hear a bit more about your vision for the future, how you're making an impact now, if you could dive into that and share some more details with us about, about your initiative and your aspirations for it. Sure. So the initial vision came about from the realization that we were looking at a landscape where tons of hospitality workers were going to be out of work, but potentially anticipating quarantines and, and mass closures of restaurants. And so the thought at that point was if, if there's going to be a ton of people at home um, that are out of work, financially vulnerable, you know, could, could be getting evicted and having all sorts of other unpleasant things happening in their lives. How do we get food to this population? And it, it dawned on me that we have uh, lots of assets in the community that are, are being underutilized. So we've got a lot of kitchens. We've got a ton of chefs and cooks. We've got great access to food. And we've got the ability to deliver food to people. So let's see if we can connect those dots. And that's precisely what we've done. And so delivery has been a big component, uh, really the primary component of our work thus far. We've delivered uh, close to 27,000 meals since we started uh, March 21st. And so that's that's over a you know, seven-week period, I guess. Uh Moving forward, we're continuing to lean on the delivery side, and we're working with Zipti and Lyft as our delivery 
partners. Um, but we are starting to layer on additional uh, one-off events, if you will, and are doing some with the Latin American Association. And the, the idea there is there is a huge percentage of out-of-work restaurant workers within the, the Latin American community in Metro Atlanta. And they're helping find families that need food and need support in underserved pockets of the community and setting times and dates for us to do collaborative efforts where we'll go. Uh, and we're doing two of these next week where we'll be bringing um, six to eight servings of rice and beans and chicken and tortillas to a, a dedicated location for uh between 100 and 200 families. And the goal with these is not only to, to feed feed these families the day of the event, but to also offer up the ability to, to jump into our delivery network so that they can receive meals in subsequent weeks um, long after the, the event is over. And that's uh, just sort of helping to widen our reach, which, which we're excited about. Beyond that, we are working on a fundraising auction right now and we're partnering with uh, Atlanta Art Gallery ABV to help um, just bring all the details together. The target date for this is June 13th and um, you're catching me a little early in the sense that we haven't gotten our logo or collateral materials together just yet. But we are going to have a sort of full day event culminating with a, a live auction that will bring together 20 plus local Atlanta artists doing uh, limited release prints and have chef and bartender demo videos and have some live music and, and all run through a live feed so that it's uh, sort of a big cultural affair online in, in one day that pulls pulls together the art community, the music community, the, the food community with with all funds going to support the work we're doing with ATL Family Meals. So have um, have a number of sponsors that have already jumped on board, Creature Comforts, Terminus, Wild Heaven. Uh, there are others on top of that, and we're, we're starting to get donated items and experiences and that sort of thing. So uh, really excited about the fundraising auction and then longer range, the, the vision for ACL family meal is that there's just a big blank space in terms of um, food insecurity specifically for the hospitality community. And if we're looking at, 15, 20 plus percent unemployment nationally for the foreseeable future. Um, even if restaurants are, are starting to open up in limited capacities, that still means that, you know, 40, 50, 60% of the hospitality community is going to remain unemployed, uh, with, with dim job prospects for a good while. And we want to be, uh, well positioned to serve the need for as long as it exists. And if, if that uh, is, you know, another couple months, that would be fantastic. But 
we we believe it it could be a, a relatively long time. So see ourselves, you know, continuing to, to grow in uh, concert with, with with whatever the need is and doing the best we can to to give back to our community. Again, great story. Kudos to what you're doing in your organization. And look forward to the stuff that's online. One final question is, how can the Atlanta community support you, Julia, myself, other people, to uh, just help your organization grow? Sure. So the easiest way to support us is by learning about us online, following us on Instagram, helping to spread the word. Um, if, if people have contacts in their network that uh, could be corporate sponsors or donors or things of that nature, we, we welcome any and all support from the community in those directions. Uh, beyond that, we have a donate button on our website, and you can uh, donate in any dollar amount. Uh, we have a $5 per meal cost and so if you donate twenty dollars that goes to providing four meals for people in our network. Um and then last but not least we have some volunteer opportunities uh, ongoing particularly with the, the fundraising auction that we're putting together right now. And so if anybody is interested in um participating and volunteering with, with ATL Family Meal. We, we have a, a lot of interesting, exciting things going on right now, and we'd love to hear from you. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Michael, for your time and sharing your story and all the important work you're leading. And just wanted to end with this. Could you tell us in the hospitality industry, in the restaurant industry, Family Meal has significance, the term, and our listeners may not know about it. Could you share what the family meal traditionally means? Yeah, of course. So um, family meal is a very common term in the, re- in the restaurant business, and it is the time before or after a shift where the front of house staff, like the strippers, bartenders, hosts, etc., cetera, uh, sit down and get together with the back of house staff, the, the cooks and chefs, and have a, a meal together. And the, the kitchen team usually makes something pretty humble. Um, it's not, you know, steak and caviar, uh, but it's, it's a hearty meal and it's, it's a special time. It's, it's a ritual uh, each day in restaurants all over the country where the staff gets together and breaks bread and uh, just shares the camaraderie and, and either gets focused and centered for the shift or, you know, is, is cracking jokes and winding out after the shift. So uh, the, the general idea here is even if we're not literally together in our restaurants, we can still uh, sort of engage and share that same family meal experience that we're, we're so accustomed to. That's awesome. Thank you for telling us about that. And again, thank you for your work. We wish you so much success and impact in Atlanta and beyond. And let's keep in touch. Absolutely.